news and talk you can trust. The Morning Answer with Brian Woodman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It's your Tuesday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. Brian's out today, a little sick, a little under the weather, but he'll be fine. He'll be back tomorrow. Don Dix is here. And Alex Azar in Washington, D.C. He's the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And uh, he's talking a lot about vaccines, when we might see them. His uh, his talk, actually, his interview yesterday came just as Gavin Newsom announced that the state of California is set to receive 327,000 doses of a COVID-19 vaccine in December. Remember, the administration is promising 20 million vaccines delivered by the end of the year, which I'm no mathematician, but is about 31 days away because we just started December. Alex Azar yesterday on Fox News talked about when the first vaccines will roll out. How long before the first injections happen, sir? Uh, well, as you said, it'll ship within 24 hours after FDA approval, and then really it's going to be up to our nursing homes, our hospitals, our pharmacies to get that dispensed. So it really could be within within days of FDA approval, we'll start seeing vaccines in people's arms, which is frankly incredible. Think about this, 10 months into right. this pandemic hitting our shores, thanks to what President Trump has done here, we believe we're going to have people getting vaccinated, millions of people, before Christmas this year. It's just unheard of in the history of public health, this accomplishment. This is something to uh, for the media, if they decided to, uh, to crow about as far as an accomplishment of the uh, Trump administration. Are they going to do that? Probably not. And here's a question that I have for Governor Newsom. Who what what is the order that the vaccines are going to be distributed to? Because if you really want to make sure that the uh, individuals that need the vaccine get it, the first people that get it should be the people who are um, most at risk, which would be the folks over 70. That would be the first group you'd want to give the vaccine to. Of course, they'll probably give it to frontline workers. It's there's an argument to be made for that. But I want to hear from Governor Newsom what the what the order is going to be. What's the priority for distribution of the vaccine here in California? Well, remember, you may not get a good answer because Gavin Newsom said any vaccine that would come out under a Trump administration, he wouldn't be willing to pass out without independent testing. Now, he's kind of changed his tune on that. He said that he wants it to be a transparent, equitable and safe process. He said that's number one as they begin phase one for distribution. Uh, he said that in a tweet about the Pfizer vaccine, which will be ready in about a week or so. Uh, Apparently, you're supposed to take two doses of this one over three weeks. And uh, there are some mild side effects. About 14,000 people tested positive for COVID on Sunday. So this provides a little bit of a silver lining for those who want to tamp down the exposures in the state of California. But this won't be an end to things immediately. You're still going to have a lot of people who are going to wait it out for a little while who aren't so sure about the vaccine process. Uh, As far as what I've heard in other states, and again, California becomes its own anomaly, they're going to roll it out to frontline workers and then people with um, with compromised immune systems, those who were really at the highest risk, then senior citizens. Then they're saying the rest of uh, middle age or younger Americans may get a vaccine if they want it by uh, the spring of 2021.
Oh, they're not just going to want it. They're going to have to have it. Uh, if what they're doing in Australia is any indication of what's going to come for the rest of the world, uh, Qantas already has said that unless you can certify that yeah. you've had the vaccine once it's available, you're not getting on one of their planes. Well, that was one of the stipulations from uh, Gavin Newsom when they're talking about even reopening Disneyland, that maybe you'd have to have a vaccine to go, or maybe it would be a stipulation for travel or for cruising. So certainly this is going to be something where they won't mandate you get a vaccine, but you will be totally limited if you don't get it. And it'll be interesting to see how they track it. Many people think it might be part of your real ID in your driver's license, that it would be downloaded to that chip, or perhaps you'd get a card or some sort of certification. Alex Azar talked about the length of time it took to get an FDA approval for the Pfizer vaccine. How long will this process take? Could it take a day, two days? How long? So Pfizer submitted their application a week ago, and the FDA said they'll hold a public advisory committee hearing on December 10th. And if everything is on track, FDA could approve within days of that hearing. And then Moderna, they file today, and there'll be an advisory committee for them, likely December 17th is what the company has announced. Mm -hmm. And again, it could be within days of that public advisory committee that FDA grants approval if the data all, all confirms the way it's looking. And the Moderna data today, incredible. 30,000 people in that clinical trial, and they just released their full results, 94% effective. It's unbelievable. There are a lot of skeptical people out there, Don. As you know, there are a lot of people who want the choice over their own body, what vaccines to uh, allow in to uh, not only their body, but to the bodies of their friends and family members. There are some people who have a distrust of the administration that might have a question about this. So the question for Health and Human Services Secretary is how do you gain people's confidence? How do you convince people who are skeptical about a vaccine to uh, to try it? This is what Alex Azar had to say yesterday. This Gallup poll saying that four in 10 Americans don't want it. How do you convince people, Mr. Secretary, that this is the way to go? Well, I think some of those surveys were conducted earlier uh, when there was a political campaign going on. And frankly, a lot of people were jumping in bed with the anti-vax crowd and denigrating our, the vaccine work for, for other purposes. Now, I think we are all coming together and saying 94, 95 percent effective vaccines. Uh, right. We need to rally around this and convince people that, that these vaccines are going to really can, can protect you and can protect our country yeah. and get us back to normal. And how many people do you have to convince? Lastly, sir, but, but listen, to four out of ten, let's say it's three out of ten now. How do you convince them? Uh, well, the process is what's going to convince them, I believe. It's going to show that it was independent. The data is incredibly strong. And then they're going to get experience as we protect our most vulnerable, protect our health care workers. People are going to see this. They're going to see the effect. And they're going to want, want it themselves. And we're going to work to convince them of that. How about this? Have Gavin Newsom take it first. <laughs> Have have people that are in uh, the positions uh, have Kinda Alex like a spokes take model? it first. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the, these the guys that uh, yeah these people should take it first. I would think that would be a reasonable uh, thing for somebody to do if they want to convince Americans to take it that it's safe. Um, have have government workers line up? I think it was it. Gavin Newsom who got his flu shot uh, televised, right? So maybe he would take the vaccine and televise it. He likes that job. Yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, flu flu vaccine, I'm not impressed. Um, you know, flu Lively. vaccines are kind of uh, normal things now. You want him to do the hard stuff? <laughs> I want him to take that, yeah, take the hard shot of the, the RNA messenger stuff that's uh, out there. 
let me see. Let me see you rearrange your DNA first. We'll continue to follow uh, the story of the vaccines. But first, are you concerned about the volatility of your investments? Because as an investor with traditional investments, including IRAs, I'm concerned about the stock market and about how printing so much money out of thin air will affect the value of the dollar. I heard my friend Seb Gorka talk about Midas Gold Group, and I know owning precious metals adds safety and stability to savings and investment portfolios. So I took the leap. I finally spoke to Midas Gold Group for myself, and I am so glad I did. It was a truly wonderful experience. There are no pushy salesmen. Their knowledgeable professionals know everyone's needs are different, and they treat you accordingly. How about that? I encourage you to meet with Midas Gold Group for yourself. Call to schedule an appointment. Ask for their free IRA guide on how to use your IRA to own physical gold and do it tax-free. Call 805-601-6000. 805-601-6000. I get my gold from Midas Gold Group, and I believe you should, too. Check them out. Call 805-601-6000 for Midas Gold Group. All right, a bipartisan group of lawmakers, yes, I said it, bipartisan, got together to release some new legislation today. We'll tell you what they're tackling as your Tuesday Morning Answer continues. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Jen is the conservative crusader. Brian is our lovable liberal. Welcome to The Answer. Thanks for joining us on your Tuesday morning answer. Merry Christmas. It's the first day of December. Can you believe we are already here in the month of December, last month of the year 2020? Brian Whitman is out today. Don Dix is in. I'm Jennifer Horn. And Congress getting back together. You know, they got to put in a hard two weeks of work before they go on another vacation again, Don. And uh, one of the big topics that they'd like to get done is a COVID-19 stimulus. Mitch McConnell yesterday said that he'd like for them to get this thing together. Oh, for some reason, my board isn't working, Katie. Where's Mitch? Where's Mitch? We just heard him a minute ago. Mitch. Aw. Well, you can bet that it was really just (laughs) filled with energy and enthusiasm. Mitch McConnell saying uh, that there's no reason not to have another relief package. It sounded like this. There's no reason. None. Oh, man. There's no reason. None. This is the remix. That's actually that's actually the best Mitch I've heard in a long time, right Grand there. Master Funk that's on the Mitch, the Mitch, the Mitch you've always wanted to hear. We got him. <laughs> Mitch remix, Sir Mix a lot, and I am in. All right, well, Mitch McConnell said there's no reason not to see another really package. We have it. We really we just heard the best version, but all right. Here, there's no reason. Here it is, in all of his glory. Why we should not deliver another major pandemic relief package to help the American people through what seems poised to be the last chapters of this battle. This morning, we got yet another major sign of hope. More data appear to confirm that the vaccine developed by Moderna is more than 94% effective. I like my version better. That's Mitch McConnell there saying that uh, there is hope, but certainly there are businesses that uh, that need some help still during this time. It's it's a wonder that the media has not been able to find within their 
uh, war chest, the ability to come out and actually portray what has unfolded in Congress in terms of, uh, you know, the <laughs> the the Democrats coming to uh, the center of the room in order to make sure that the American people are taken care of. That's the biggest problem. Let's get something passed. Let's get something out of Congress, out of the House and over to the Senate that the Senate can sign in order to get some economic relief without filling it with pork. Nancy, yeah. please, can you <laughs> that do that? Would be nice. Would you do that for the American people well, this Christmas? Ask and you shall receive if you are Mitch McConnell. He asked yesterday, said, uh, we want to get this done. I don't see why we want it. Well, today, a bipartisan group of lawmakers unveiled a 908 billion dollar coronavirus relief bill i see that all in coins like i see it like uncle scrooge's money bank when you think of 908 billion in coronavirus relief this is a proposal that was released on tuesday as leadership in both the house and the senate are facing pressure to cut a deal it was rolled out by a dozen members from the house and the senate it comes as coronavirus cases continue to go up and congress is kind of running out of time here they've got two weeks to finish this senator joe manchin who's a democrat from west virginia said it would be quote inexcusable for congress to leave town for the year without providing more coronavirus Coronavirus relief with the slew of assistance programs that are set to expire within weeks. He, he said this is a COVID emergency relief framework. It's not the time for political brinkmanship. This is going to get us through the most difficult time. The bill, according to the framework, which was re- released literally about an hour ago would provide another $160 billion for states and cities, which is a top priority for Democrats, $180 billion for unemployment insurance, and $288 billion for small business assistance through the Paycheck Protection Program. It also includes billions in assistance for transportation-related industries like airlines, $16 billion for vaccine development and distribution, and then more money for things like schools, child care, and even the Postal Service getting some money here. Now, it wasn't just... Joe Manchin involved with this. Susan Collins from Maine has her name on this, as well as Mitt Romney from Utah and others. This is going to be the first thing you want to watch for. Is Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell going to actually have a little chat about this? Because that's one of the things you would think would uh, presage the passage of uh, roughly $908 billion proposal Uh, A good chunk of which will address the expiration of economic aid programs, including unemployment insurance extension. So if uh, Governor Newsom, if you're planning on shutting down California, uh, could you give Nancy a call? Could you give your auntie a call? And along with giving her your Christmas list, encourage her to get together with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. There really should be some kind of, you know, there's that... uh, that conversation, there ought to be a law. Well, there ought to be a law that if you're going to tell people that they can't operate their small businesses, if you're going to tell people they can't go to work, uh, if you can't get them relief, you should not get your income. You should be a person that has no paycheck showing up. Talk about the Grinch. Have no paycheck. What's I happening know. to you? Well, that's, what happened? What happened just a moment ago? That's the problem. And uh, I, I tell you what, you have uh, you have people who are telling you 
not to work, not to open your business. You are telling small businesses who, by the way, were saved back in April, May, and June by the Paycheck Protection Plan and uh, are now looking for some additional help because uh, guess what? It's been another five, six months of either complete shutdown or reduced capacities. And you have Washington, D.C. at a total standstill. And it's not just Donald Trump. It's not just Nancy Pelosi. It's not just Mitch McConnell. It's all of them playing politics. And I'll include President Trump in this. But I think primarily a lot of the blame has to stand on Nancy Pelosi's doorstep, who had President Trump's ear. He basically said, I will sign anything you bring to me as long as we get some relief and we do it. And he tried to do it before the election. And she won it because she didn't want to give him that win. She didn't want to give him that thing to tout during uh, during the week leading up to the election at the detriment of the American taxpayer. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's uh, when you put politics over the financial welfare of uh, the American people, um, you really you you really have abdicated your responsibility, your oath of office to take care of of America. You become a domestic enemy. You become the person that you're supposed to protect us from. When you abdicate your responsibility to take care of uh, the very fundamental thing that uh, a government is supposed to do, and that is protect the American people. If you're going to tell people they can't go to work, you've got to give them a financial safety net uh, for that uh, for the duration of that period of time. That's exactly what Gavin Newsom should do if he's going to today, if he's going to say uh, for the next four weeks, as it's rumored uh, that he's going to say for the next four weeks, um, you need to stay locked down in your home. And I really wonder at this point, with everybody doing the, uh, you know, avo- you know, doing the curfew breaking with everybody uh, no longer really taking government in its role here seriously, how many people are actually going to heed this stay-at-home order? Well, how many people can? I mean, during the holiday season, people are not only getting weary mentally that fatigue is setting in, but also financially. There are just a lot of people who don't have much of a choice. And to answer your question, California, to to go along with what we think is a looming statewide lockdown. Gavin Newsom promising this in Sacramento yesterday, saying more drastic stay-at-home orders to come because of the rising number of coronavirus cases. He says California will provide temporary tax relief and $500 million in aid to small businesses struggling because of coronavirus. This is a tax measure that would include a three-month automatic extension of the income tax payment deadline for those paying less than a million dollars in sales tax and expansion of a program allowing businesses with up to five million in sales to reach agreements on interest-free tax payments that would be extended to larger businesses as well according to newsom the additional 500 million in tax relief funds would be available to small businesses and nonprofits in the form of grants which you could apply for up to a total of twenty five thousand dollars but this is just it this is not as a conservative what i want to see where the government is supplementing our income and shutting us down but certainly if the government is shutting us down we have to have that relief in place it's a it's non-negotiable absolutely 900 billion dollars on the uh uh on the minds of people in washington dc right now this emergency relief framework is got to be the uh, uh country's legislators first priority all right as we continue a member of the board of supervisors in a lot of hot water will tell you what she did 
The rest of us weren't doing it. Your Tuesday morning answer continues. News and talk you can trust. The morning answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It is your Tuesday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. Brian's out today. A little under the weather. Don Dix is in. And also in a whole lot of hot water is L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Cool. Do you remember, Don? It was just last week. Last Sunday, actually, which would have made it the 22nd of November. On the 22nd of November, it was announced by the L.A. County Director of Public Health, Barbara Ferrer, because of the surge in coronavirus cases, that they would shut down outdoor dining in all the restaurants in L.A. County. This is after 10 months, 11 months, 10 months, back and forth, open, close, open, close, outdoor, 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 by fan, by heaters, by fans, by partitions, socially distanced, Restaurants jump through hoops. They're finally getting back into business. And the week of Thanksgiving, L.A. County comes and says, "Mm, sorry, restaurants, we're going to tell you that you've got to close down because of coronavirus cases. Here's the problem. None of that was related to the science of the spike. In fact, laughably and filled with irony, the COVID virus spikes have been traced to people having small gatherings in their homes by closing outdoor dining. I guess. guess where people are going to have gonna to have go have gatherings. dinner at home, right? So this doesn't seem to be making too much sense. Well, enter Supervisor Sheila Cool, who is one of these uh, board of supervisors who said that um, restaurants should be closed down, even though there's no science that would that would make that make sense. After she voted on that last Tuesday, Sheila Cool was caught. She was caught red-handed. She was caught. Dining in an outdoor restaurant in Santa Monica. And Don, she was the deciding vote in all of this because it was a 3-2 split with Catherine Barger and Janice Hahn saying that they wanted restaurants to stay open. And it was her and Hilda Schmilda, Hilda Solis, and, and Mark Ridley Thomas that said they wanted to close down the restaurants. She could have been the decider, but instead she voted to shut down more business in L.A. County These restaurants that have been struggling to survive, struggling to pay their workers. Yet, I guess it was safe enough for her to go out for dinner to celebrate after she made that vote. Yeah, you know, this is um, when you look at the magnitude of this kind of a decision, there are 31,000 restaurants all over L.A. County that are impacted by this. 31,000 in in a month where elected officials are being found to actually be a little hypocritical. Um, At the top of the list is Governor Newsom, who's having a very bad, terrible, horrible month. Um, He was the one that got the uh, picture taken of him at French Laundry. And now we have another uh, elected official. You'd think it would be easy. This, this, This should be easy to figure out on the part of an elected official that if you're going to ask people to do something, you want to lead by example. It's one of the first things I ever learned about leadership, lead by example. Yeah. If you're going to do something, uh, you should be the first. If you're going to ask other people to do do something, yeah, you you lead by example. In fact, you could even make an example out of yourself. Say, "I, I could have gone out 
and dined outdoor, just like I banned. But instead, here's what we did. Right. I want to show you the solution to dealing with this. Here's instead, my healthy choice. I warmed it up in the microwave instead of instead, going to El Fernando. What do they choose to do? They choose to do what these hypocrites always do, and that is do as I say, not as I do. Yep, and it gets worse. If you thought it, if you thought the story ended there, oh no! And this is because of the reporting of Bill of Bill Malusian at Fox Eleven. He does a great job, and he breaks these stories. But last Tuesday, when they were meeting, because they had this emergency hearing, Catherine Barger said, "You know, I don't think we should shut down these restaurants. Let's talk about it." They had this meeting on Tuesday. During that meeting, am I keeping right. you up? No, I had to. I had to inhale. Okay. <laughs> It was an important moment. All right, I'm I had to get ready now. for what we're getting ready to do here. <laughs> All right. So last Tuesday, Sheila Cool referred to outside dining as, quote, a most dangerous situation. She said there are tables of unmasked patrons potentially exposing their service to the coronavirus. Quote, this is a serious health emergency. We must take it seriously. End quote. The servers are not protected from us, and they're not protected from the other tables that they're serving at that particular time, plus all the hours in which they're working. She then went on to vote in support of restricting outdoor dining before she went to have dinner at Il Fornaio while she still could. Sheila Cool, not setting a great example. And look, you hear my Well, exas- well let me guess. Let me, she, was she wearing a mask while she dined? Sure. Well, I, don't, I, I doubt it. But you hear my exasperation. It's not that I don't want Sheila Cool to go out for dinner. I want her to go out to dinner. The problem is I want the rest of us to be able to do the same thing that she gets to do as a supervisor in L.A. County. Julie in Burbank. Hi, Julie. You're on the morning answer. Now, according to our screener, you said that you uh, called Sheila Cool's office. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, I so- spoke with an autumn, and I told her on this cold this. winter morning, I would love to be able to go out and have a cup of coffee. That would be nice. I can so, uh, yeah, I was not impressed with Autumn or Sheila Cruel's office. It's Sheila Cruel, by the way. Let me correct you. <laughs> I, I will start saying it's Sheila Cruel. So did the office Please. offer any um, explanation? Because they did confirm that she did go out after casting that vote. They she, she wouldn't confirm or deny this Autumn person. She just said she would, word for word, pass my message. If I left my number, that she would call me back. I said, that's incorrect. I left my number last week after listening to her respectfully close all restaurants and take all jobs away. Yeah. I listened to the entire meeting and there was no science. She said, I know this, but we're going by a model and I respectfully vote to close all restaurants. Well, and she also said said it's a most dangerous situation. Now there are restaurants who have taken extreme precautions and spent a lot of money that they didn't have during this time to keep people away from each other. And the study that they used to make this decision was a national study. It was not one based in LA County and it was one that had nothing to do with contact tracing. It was a study about indoor and outdoor dining combined together, which is not even what we're dealing with here. I agree with you, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because actually, if you go further into the facts, it was what they're using is the indoor dining. They're not even using statistics from outdoor. Um, at the meeting, if you listen to the whole thing, any I encourage all listeners to go listen to it because it'll just anger you enough maybe to drive in front of their houses because she said they said to her, there's no science. And this is the science, and restaurants are, you know, number 12, 13, 14. Well, we don't care. So how every person in this county can't realize that it's an attack. I still see people driving with their 
freaking mask in a car with the window down. So uh, <laughs> obviously there's enough people to comply. Right. But I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting my tips. She just ruined my Thanksgiving, and now this governor wants to ruin it. One thing I really want to thank you guys for is not only discussing all this, but just a couple minutes ago you said about holding their salaries. I really think that should be done. I do, too. Why does yep. federal money come in instead of Gavin Newsom's money? It doesn't yep. seem it doesn't seem fair when you have uh, Barbara Ferrer making these decisions that impact people's livelihoods while she's cashing her four hundred thousand dollar a year check. I mean, it just it doesn't make people feel good, and mm-hmm. it's not what leadership really is. Julie, thank you so much for the phone call. Good luck You're to welcome. you. Hang on the line here for a second. That's Julie in uh, Burbank who called Sheila Cool's office. Now, our <laughs> one of our associate producers, William Kirby, came up to me and said, "Did you know about this Sheila Cool? Apparently." She was an actress. Did you know about this? Did not know that she had that on her resume. She was a child star. She was in the Beverly Hillbillies. She was in Dobie Gillis. And, uh, of course, our crack research team really gets spinning and uh, and found some clips, actually, of Sheila Cool, who at that time, I think, was operating as Sheila James. Take a listen. You are vassals and thrall to a liege lord. Have you no social conscience, no civic Even pride? Even then. Even then she was going for it. Even on the set of the Beverly Hillbillies, we're getting this. No social conscience, no civic pride. (laughs) I think this was from Dobie Gillis. Again, Sheila Cool. I was reminded by one of our producers that she she was a child actress. Take a listen. This whole situation is an incredible anachronism. It's medieval Europe. It's feudalism. It's serfdom. You are vassals and thralls to a liege lord. How can this despicable anomaly exist in an enlightened 20th century America? There you go. Uh, Sheila James at that time, now uh, Supervisor Sheila Cool, who uh, dines out at El Fornayo while telling you that restaurants have to shut down their outdoor dining. We do have, however, a good story. Someone doing some good on Giving Tuesday. We'll fill you in on that. Plus, some congratulations finally in order for a congressional race. Give you the scoop as your Tuesday morning answer continues. Waging the battle against fake news every morning. This is the morning answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It is the morning answer. You found us. It's Tuesday. It's the first day of December. Brian Whitman is out today. Don Dix is in and uh, got a little bit of good news uh, for you. Well, if you are a fan of Mike Garcia or Republicans may be recapturing the majority in the House in a couple of years. It seems that we can call another congressional race, this time for incumbent Mike Garcia. Isn't that great? Democrat Christy Smith conceded on Monday, and this was a really tight race. I mean, these guys were really battling it out. Mike Garcia, who won the special election for Katie Hill's seat in Congressional District 25, maintained his congressional seat here in uh, not only L.A. County, but parts of Ventura County as well. He uh, won by just over 300, I think, and 50 votes. I'll get the exact tally for you. But he was able to uh, maintain a slight lead over over Christy Smith, who ultimately conceded yesterday after, I think, maybe one of the last kind of a recanvassing of the district. Yeah, it was 169,464 to 169,059. So, yeah, that that puts it right about 405 votes. 
my math is correct, and I did not go through Common Core math. Uh, that's what it was. Yeah, that's is... what he was leading by yesterday. I think at the end of the day, however, um, yesterday, according to uh, Mercury News, it ended up being 333 votes that he won by. Ultimately, I think that's where Christy Smith conceded yep. when she saw she wouldn't be able to make that difference up. Yeah, she's not in the uh, votes that are coming in. She is not. That was yesterday's vote. Today, it's 169,638 to 169,305. So at that rate of pickup, there's no way that she was going to be able to uh, get beyond uh, her, you close the deficit. Um, but the thing that I think the real news here is 300 votes, whether it's 300 or 400 or 500. For sure. All of those. It's a really tight you know, We're margin. talking about o- overall, uh, you know, 300 and uh, what would that be? Let's round up 340,000 votes. Um, that's a huge uh, number of votes compared to the difference. If, if, if anybody ever, t- if you're ever doing any voter registration uh, and somebody tells you that their vote doesn't count, uh, this is one of the vote, one of the races you can point to to say, you know, your vote does count. You never know in advance how it's going to how it's going to work out. You never know how close it's going to be. And if you want to talk about down ballot races, there are plenty of down ballot races for city council that got uh, within 100 votes. Yeah, there was a congressional close. race in Iowa that was separated by six votes, the Republican yep. and the Democrat. I mean, these when people sit there and shrug their shoulders and say, my vote doesn't count, it doesn't matter. Remember stories like this one so that you can say but even, it absolutely does. And even beyond that. I have always been taken aback when people say that, and I I just look at them and I, you know, if I have time, I say, what about the hundreds of thousands and millions of Americans that died preserving your ability to do this very sacred thing in a constitutional republic, voting? They died for your to protect your rights to be able to vote. You owe them that honor of yeah. doing the. I mean, how inconvenient is it, especially the way they made it in California this year? They they sent it to your mailbox. All you had to do was open the envelope, fill it out, sign it, or turn it in. Or the 18 envelopes that you received to your address. Or the 18, yeah, if you, uh, those if you were on voter the uh, – well, Mike Garcia was on Fox and Friends this morning, and he said uh, not only did he run uh, to help out Californians and people in his district, but he said that he was seeing things happen at a national level that started to look a lot like California. And we've been saying this. We've been kind of using California as a verb, that the rest of the nation is getting california right? We're Californiaing everyone else across the country. And he said it scared the heck out of him. And he said he didn't want his country to become what California has become. And uh, he said that he doesn't don't want us to have to hit a rock bottom as a nation. He also expressed his optimism for Republicans retaking the House. Remember, Nancy Pelosi is leading now in the majority with uh, the slimmest majority that we've had uh, in decades in the House of Representatives. Republicans having a really good year. This adds to the conversation about just what wrong with President Trump at the top of the ticket. And this is what's fueling some of those arguments about voter fraud is that the down ballot races really were quite good for Republicans. Yeah, with a number of seats yet to be determined, a very small number of races that need to be called, it's 222 Democrats to 206 Republicans uh, in the House. Uh, and that is one of the closest 
uh, balances of power that Congress has seen in decades. And California's been doing our part. Young Kim, Michelle Steele in Orange County, both of them beating out their Democratic incumbent challengers, Gil Cisneros and uh, Harley Rauda. Let's not forget David Valadeo. Just going to bring him up. He beat out T.J. Cox. Cox. That's right. That was called yesterday. And now we have uh, now we have Mike Garcia, who pulled off his win to hold on to his seat. So California fighting back, doing well. We should celebrate those victories when we get them. Now, I promised you some good news. More than just Mike Garcia, which, by the way, brought out our studio audience for applause. It's Giving Tuesday today, which means that if you have money to give in a favorite charity, this is the day that charities really go out and encourage those donations, part of a a give back effort. David Chang, does that name ring a bell to you at all? David Chang? David Chang. Nope. He is a celebrity chef, and he hosts a couple of series on- That's why I don't know. I know. (laughs) If he's not a politician, specifically in the Inland Empire, there's a good chance that Dominic If he's not him. saving the republic, I don't know him. Well, not only is he a chef, but he hosts a couple of series on Netflix called Ugly Delicious. And he's the first celebrity to win Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which is doing their celebrity edition on ABC this week. I see. And uh, the game started back again in 2019. He's the first celebrity to actually finish all the way through. And he said he's going to use his prize money, so his million dollars, to help out restaurant industry folks who are struggling during the pandemic. The restaurant industry, we've been talking about it all morning long, has been incredibly hard hit, not only for the small business owners that run some of these restaurants, but also for the staff. And he said that he's going to give his million-dollar prize to uh, a foundation called Southern Smoke, which is an organization that provides emergency funds for employees and business owners in the hospitality industry, which I thought was kind of a cool thing. That is a very cool thing. Um, you know, it's always, I mean, a million dollars, that's a lot of dough. And to turn around and say, I'm not going to take it. Uh, Gavin Newsom, are you listening? Uh, you know, elected officials, are you listening? You know, here you've got somebody who is doing the right thing, uh, you know, not because he even has to. That's uh, in his heart. Um, Gavin Newsom, if you're going to shut down the state, are you going to are you going to take your paycheck and rip it up or better still are you going to take your paycheck and donate it to the people uh that you're not just inconvenient inconveniencing but you may be pushing people into a place in life where they may make decisions that we would rather them not make. I think you're Um, so right to call on this effort. If the shutdowns continue and if this is the best path forward, at least in the minds of our elected officials, I think they should stand in solidarity with the the workers that are being put out of work, that are going to be struggling. And I I think you're right to call on this. It's only, it only seems fair, certainly, but it it makes you wonder if we could actually even see that in California. Uh, Just to bring you up to speed on a story that is, uh, is continuing to unfold Well, people are suffering and not able to get the unemployment benefits that they need from the state. The EDD shut down for a month because they couldn't dole out the payments that people needed. The system sort of broke down. Restaurants, businesses are being shut down or or made to to operate at reduced capacity. The state is now investigating $400 million that was paid in unemployment benefit claims to prisoners, 21,000 of them filed in, improperly filed claims on unemployment. And these are all California prison inmates. So think about that. Let it sink in for a minute. You have people who are out there that are law-abiding citizens doing their work, trying to get their unemployment benefits. 
And in California, we've now paid out $400 million to 21,000 beneficiaries basically sitting in California prisons right now. I think the total of prison fraud is approaching a billion dollars is the number I've been reading in some of these reports. A huge amount of money and a great blemish on the face of Gavin Newsom. Giving Tuesday. Celebrate today if you can. Thanks for spending your morning with us. Make it a great day. It's 9 o'clock.